Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another visit to the Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... Ryan. John. Glenn. We're at uh, Ryan's new Arthurian table. Is it an Arthurian it's table? It's round. It's round table. Oh, yeah, my other table was not round. It was square. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody sits at the head of this table. We're all no. equal. We're all equal. Brother to brother, yours in life and death. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're the truish the first night. Yeah, okay. I called it Camelot. <laughs> That's not a good movie. <laughs> I, I love that movie. First night? Really? I adore that movie. There is a scene at the end of the movie that they just, I guess they just messed up where, I think it's after he kills like the main villain or whatever, Richard Gere like backs up and the sword that he's holding, it's just cut off above the hilt. Yeah. Oh. It's... Because they, they just forgot to fix it in post. Well, like, Maybe it's I, actually a lightsaber. It, it's, <laughs> Maybe an, so. it's an endearing little Arthurian tale. Um, and, of course, Richard Gere has the same Kevin Costner syndrome where he doesn't really try to do an accent at all. Yeah. <laughs> Him and, and the jackal. Costner, like, kind of half-assly tried. He, some, at the very yeah. beginning, he did. Yeah, and then he's like, like, oh, ah, fuck, fuck it. it. Fuck me, he cleared it. Christian Slater had, it down, had that shit <laughs> yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, and, of course, Ben Cross is the villain. You know, uh-uh. you got to love that. It's good steal. But yeah, well, you know, honestly, um, that can be, uh, you, you think about like different people that have played King Arthur too. Sure. That's another, yeah. So, um, but we're going to kind of dive right in and talk a little bit about some of the things that we watched. Uh, we got a lot of stuff, so let's see what we can get through. One show that we've been putting off talking about for quite a bit now is a show called Reboot that you gentlemen have watched. Yeah, I've, I've seen the whole thing. We, Karen and I have watched about half of it. Okay, it's a Hulu show. The whole thing's available now. Yes. Um... So reboot. This is a sitcom that's on Hulu. It um, it's really funny. It's uh, the the plot is um, there was this. It's fictionalized late uh, kind of an early two thousand sitcom like a family show um, called um, oh shit I can't think of the name of the show but um, not important. It's step right up. You're so and, you're yeah. so proficient, dude. You don't yeah. have, you don't have to always yeah, have the answer. Step right up. Well, anyway. <laughs> Uh, this young up-and-coming writer um, has just had this big uh, in- indie hit. It was something like called Cunt Saw was the name of her movie. <laughs> what? Yeah. And um, so uh, the people at Hulu want, uh, want their meeting with her because they really liked this, um, this gritty horror movie and they want her to do something. And she wants to do a reboot of Step Right Up with the original cast, but she wants to make it more edgy and like more like a show is now. So, um, and the show stars Reed Sterling, Clay Barber, um, Zach Jackson, and Bree Jensen, who are played by Keegan-Michael Key, Johnny Knoxville, Judy Greer, and Callum Worthy, who is the, the kid. Now that you're just, I now know what y'all are talking yeah, about. I've seen the trailers before. Right. Um, Rachel Bloom is this, um, the writer. She's from My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. I think she was... I think she was a Broadway star. I think she was, yeah. yeah. And um, when uh, they they pitch it to all of the the actors, and they all love it, and uh, because they're all at different places in their lives, Keegan the Keegan Michael Key character, he's living in um, New York, and he's trying to be like a serious actor. The Johnny Knoxville character is really funny because he's been in and out of rehab, and there's this kind of montage of him getting arrested constantly, and he does the uh, Nick Nolte uh, mugshot a whole lot. It's him going to rehab, getting arrested, getting out. Um, the kid, uh, Callum um, Worthy, plays um, this character, Zach Jackson. He um, did a bunch of like Olsen twins kind of movies. And then Judy Greer stopped at her character, stopped acting, and moved to like Norway and became a. Uh, she married a prince. And um, so now they're, they're all back to, to do a reboot of the show. 
and the original showrunner shows up, who's played by Paul Reiser, and it's hilarious. Just the, the, the whole interactions and the difference between sitcoms were in the late 90s, early 2000s, and the way they are now is really funny. The actors have great chemistry. How does Paul Reiser look? He's great. Like, appearance-wise. in I the mean, com- he's got gray hair. Well, in the Kaminsky method, they made him look like he's 100 years old. I mean, in Stranger Things, he's fine. Yeah. He, oh, yeah, that's he's right. He's got gray hair and a goatee. He, he looks kind of like he does in Stranger Things, but he's got a goatee. Okay. And there's one part where he yells, get the fuck out of here. He, <laughs> he's awesome in The Boys. Yeah. But the uh, the titles of the episodes always made me like, because um, there's, there's eight episodes, and these are the titles of the episode. As I said, the... The name of the fictional show is Step Right Up, but the names of the episodes are New Girl, Growing Pains, Girlfriends, What We Do in the Shadows, Bewitched, Baskets, and Who's the Boss. Do those things have anything to do with the actual episode? Kind of, okay. but it's just, it's funny that they use yeah. titles of sitcoms, but um, it's it's a very R-rated show, I'll say that, but um, the, these actors are great. Keegan-Michael Key, he's always good, but Johnny Knoxville kind of surprised me. He's really good in this show, but... Um, he surprised yeah. me in The Ringer, too, because it's yeah. a that's a cute little film. But, you know, um, I remember seeing trailers for this show, and then, like, it just sort of... I, then I didn't see anything. Yeah. I kind of forgot about it. I'm kind of... And you said it just finished? Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the all eight episodes. That's kind of odd. And a correction from earlier, uh, Rachel Bloom was not a Broadway uh, star, but she was... She got her notoriety from writing a bunch of spoof songs... Including something that was that uh, they inspired, uh, they they used for Ray Bradbury's 90th birthday, where she wrote a song that was called "Fuck Me, Ray Bradbury," and another song that says "You Can Touch My Boobies," <laughs> and it's just a bunch of stuff like that. And she apparently did got famous online for doing an impression of Catherine Hepburn doing the voice of Bugs Bunny in Space Jam. That's 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 yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> But um, and Judy Greer, I will say she's hilarious yes. in the show. Like these, like thirty minute episodes. Yeah, yeah, they're thirty minute episodes. There's only eight of them. It's on Hulu. They're all available. I highly recommend yeah, the show. Yeah, me too. It's really funny. It's very funny. Well, another reboot that Ryan has finally you know gotten to watch, which is funny to me because Ryan was gung ho about this, and it's taken him this long to finish Cobra Kai season five. Well, there, there's a method to my madness. Is um, there? Is there? I, I consider myself the expert of Cobra Kai. Do you? I do. Um, but you, you know you haven't even seen Karate Kid three. Yeah, I, I, I said I didn't say I'm the expert of the Karate Kid. I said okay. I'm the expert of Cobra Kai. So okay. there you go. Um, but I'd love to hear this. When the when when Cobra Kai came out, um, like every season, I just I pretty much finished it in like two or three days at max. So this time I wasn't like the trailers didn't really get me excited. Like I, I was ready to watch it, but so I was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna wait a little bit and I'm gonna take my time with it and see. And then I listened to you guys talk about it and. Glenn said it was very good, and John hated it. That's what John said. His exact words were, he does, did not like this season. So, nope. <laughs> so I find myself with, you know, I got I to gotta decide who was right. And Glenn was right. John's totally wrong. John didn't like it at all, and he's wrong. This is not at all what I said. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one thing I will disagree with what you said, John, was you said that you thought that Johnny, they didn't know what to do with Johnny. And I disagree. I think, I do agree that I think, Daniel is the main character of this season, but like Johnny's arc was pretty much just in the beginning, go and get Miguel, and then dealing with the fact that he's his new parental situation. And yeah, because there, there's one line in the movie in the in the show that kind of explains why he's acting that way when his first wife shows up and he's like, "Oh, he's doing this again." Yeah, kind of thing. So, and then the 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 third part of his arc in the season was 
joining forces with everybody. So I mean, I, I felt like he he had his stuff to do. But, I mean, I felt like in the when the show first started, I, I like, know Johnny what you was the main yeah, character. I know what you mean, and that's that's that was not present this season. I mean, he they had stuff for him to do. He just wasn't the focus. It was about Daniel and his drive to end Terry Silver. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the season was was. My sister told me she thought the first few episodes were slow. I didn't really find that. I felt like the first few episodes they were just setting everything up. Um, but I, I do think this season strained like the bonds of like plausible deniability in yeah. certain regards. But uh, and, that's, and that's really my, it was my complaint. Fun. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. it was I, just, I didn't have a problem with my least favorite seasons. I, I will like, say, what the hell do they do with Crease for the next season? Well, that that's that's what I was going to say. I'm glad you brought that up because my, I was going to say at this point. If they're going to do another season, there needs to be a new villain of some kind. Like, with everything that happened with Silver and Crease, like, why would Crease ever be involved with any of this? Like, he should, based on his story, he should be gone forever. Like, why would he resurface to deal with any of this stuff? And they, with, I mean, they set up a couple of potential villains for next season. I think. And, yeah, the the people that Crease brought in, I mean, uh, Silver brought in, well, that possibly. And, um, what's his name's dad from Mexico. Um, oh, true. Yeah. True, yeah. Because he's a, he's a fight promoter, and they're going to this international... So and and I hope they go around with somebody not in the movies. Like yeah. I, I feel like they went through all the the villains. Well, they set up what, what was her name? The one that Silver brought in, like the, the one that the uh, the sensei. The she was the yeah, the granddaughter <coughs> of the sensei. yeah the one that kind of looked like Lucy Liu. Yeah. Um, yeah, who for when she first I thought that's who it was at first. I thought the same thing, but um I enjoyed it. Uh, I I I loved Johnny had some lines in this one, as he always does, but. His line when he was an Uber driver and someone asked, "Do you got Billie Eilish?" and he's like, "Oh hell yeah!" and I was like, "I literally was like, well, who's he thinking about?" And when he started playing the music he played, I was like, "Oh my god, that's beautiful." Yeah, his whole thing is like an Uber driver. Yeah, and his line about White Claw was just beautiful too. <laughs> um, it, it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, was it the best season? No, it's probably if I had to rank it, season five is probably my at the bottom of. But I that, that's all I said. No, you said you hated it. <laughs> so do you but, think do you think Chosen and Kamiko end up together? Again, that's something I think they can use next season. But again, I just want them with a little bit fresher ideas. Like I feel like all the characters who had problems with each other, the kids end with Johnny and, and, and Daniel. That's all been resolved now. It's now time to move on to other stuff. So I hope they expand on the characters next season. And they can. I think there's still some stuff they could do. We'll see. Do you think Miguel is going to say, live or die, man? No. And then squeeze someone's nose? Okay. <clears throat> it's bullshit. So, uh, I forgot what I was trying to watch. Something inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> it was something inappropriate I was trying to watch, but the kids were still awake. So, um, went to Netflix. Me and the girlfriend were scrolling around and saw Howie Mandel in some game show called Bullshit. And I was like, well, let's see what this is all about. I had never heard nothing about it. I don't think I've even seen a trailer. And I really like this show. I think it's a cool little game show premise. Yeah. Um, basically, it's four people. You have one person who's basically in the hot seat. I love that they kept saying you're in the hot seat, and then Howie Mandel kept pointing out, and when you're in the hot seat, there actually is no seat. Yeah. Because they're just standing there. So you got one, one person in the hot seat and three people watching them. So basically, there's no categories. It's basically like a... Like a who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? You start with $1,000 and can go all the way up to a million. And he asks a random question, like, who wants to be a millionaire? And the person has a little tablet in front of them, and they press the answer, and then... Howie's like, okay, what was the answer? And they'll say what the answer was, and they'll say, and he's like, well, how did you know that? And he'll tell them why. And then the three people watching him have to decide if he's telling the truth or if he's full of bullshit. And if the guy in the hot seat got the question wrong, 
if he was able to convince at least one other person that he was telling the truth, he moves on. And so, like, there was that's, whole, a, that's an interesting. It was really cool yeah. because there were certain parts where, like, certain players had gotten like quite far with the majority of their answers being wrong. Like, they didn't know shit, but because they were that's good a liars. Game for you. I don't know. There was really one really cool part where, like, this one character, one guy, like, he, he got voted out quickly, and apparently, he did this thing when he went to go press the answer. He swirled his. Finger around. So he had to tell. He had to tell. And they one of the characters picked up on one of the person like, oh, yeah, I saw you swing your finger so, around. If you did that, you didn't know what it was because you didn't go straight to the answer. So if you pick for the hot seat, don't bring your Oreos with you. It's true. <laughs> but it's you all... beat me. <laughs> Pay this man his money. So other than the title, which might be sort of inappropriate for kids, but other than that, like, you could put this on with kids around, I think. Yeah, I mean, if they yelled malarkey instead, it would be. PG there you show. go. But it was very enjoyable. It's a good game show. And um, How, Howie Mandel is really good at game shows. Yes, he is. And being a little monster. Actually, my favorite part, in the very first episode, <laughs> Howie, Howie Mandel says, and in this season, we have a player win a million dollars. Or am I lying? I uh-huh. could be full of bullshit. I don't know. We will have to fight, watch to find out. That's clever. Uh, speaking of bullshit, Blockbuster debuted on Netflix. All right, who watched this? I, I watched, watched the first episode. I watched the first episode. I watched the first three. I did the rule of three. Okay, so I'll just say, let me just, before we talk about it, I'll just say, we, were, me and my girlfriend put it on. We were, she was really excited for this. I was kind of excited, too. I was too. excited, too. We put it on. And I would say about 15 minutes in, I turned and looked to her, and I said, well, you know, Glenn has this rule of three episodes, and she's like, fuck that. You can watch three more without me. I'm not watching anymore. Well, be two more. Well, yeah, but she's like, I'm done with this. You can continue watching. I, I did the third. I did the third. I got to tell you, Glenn's rule is genius, but sometimes it wasn't you, sometimes you can tell. Well, I mean, and again, like I know that pilots, you kind of work stuff out, and I'm kind of like I would be it, tempted to, but like since Glenn's watched three of them, it doesn't get worked out. This well, is not. I but, could, but like so, honestly, I, as I'm watching it, because um, isn't it the same people that did Superstore? It certainly looks like uh, it. Yeah, it could be. I don't. I don't know. Because um, if so, true. I don't know what the fuck happened to him because. Superstore is a great show, <clears throat> but this one, like, it almost seems like it needed a laugh track. Oddly enough, that might have made it marginally better, but it's not really funny. And it's no, not, and it's just it's not about Bob. That, that, yeah. that was my big problem. Can I just say here's my biggest? Uh, I got a few problems with it, and it well, first there's quite a few, problems. right? But mm-hmm. first of all, <laughs> why would Netflix release a documentary called The Last Blockbuster, talking about the last blockbuster, then do a series that's completely? made up and you know it's not about the last blockbuster like when i first heard about this show i thought what they should have did is place it in the 90s and have hilarious like people would well, and at first i kind of thought that was the case because at the beginning it's right. like the corporate offices being taken out I'm like but they're all using and modern phone and like that's that's so so i looked at art so the person that created the show <laughs> was executive producer of superstore but also was a head writer on brooklyn 99 and which is also another good show keenan was it Keenan Thompson? Didn't he Keenan, have a show? Yeah, yeah I watched that's... an episode or two of that. It was actually pretty funny. Well, that's the one thing that was frustrating with me because when I, when I, when it started, I'm, I kept on telling myself, the reason I gave it three episodes is I know all the people in this are talented. Yeah, they really are. Because I know Randall Park. I love him from all his stuff. The, Melissa um, Fumero is I, I don't good. know what it was about Randall yeah, Park. The, the um, which are the, the grandma from um, Brooklyn, oh, yeah, from yeah. the Heights. And then... Uh, I mean, I always like J.B. Smoove, but I hated him in this show. Look, I, I, you guys know how much I love Always Be My Maybe with Randall Park. 
And I just thought he gave like no effort in this show. He, like like I, he was wooden. Like like I made yeah. I can't even. The, the performances didn't even salvage it. It's like you were given a shit sandwich. You're like, I guess I got to chew it. Yeah, that's that's a very good way to put it. Like it's almost like I felt like he he was in a situation where he, felt like he had to be there. In, yeah. But the problem is, and like you said, Netflix did the thing on the last right. Blockbuster, so why did you? And they got this whole thing where they're doing the show about the last blockbuster, which but could be funny. Yes. But it could be any like trying to save fill in the blank business. Yeah. Yes, like I feel like they missed the boat of just placing it in the '90s, telling hilarious stories about shit going on in the '90s that had to do with blockbusters. I mean, or, or I mean, they could they could set it now, but like make more jokes about movies and video stores, and... or honestly, even customers. Like Clerks yeah. did a better job of what this, I guess, is trying to achieve. I don't know what this was trying to I achieve. No, I, I, I'm. Right there with you. I don't know. And like I said, J.B. Smoove, I always think he's hilarious. I wanted to punch him in the face. I just think like... He was not a likable character. I think there's an endless amount of jokes you could do with like from customers arguing late fees. I think people People needed to be... People poking Dean in the eyeball. People people needed to be put back into what it was actually like to go to Blockbuster. And this show doesn't do it. It's not about The only thing that comes close is is the guy at the beginning that he talks about under the Tuscan sun... And then he comes back at the end. That's the, like the, I guess the truth. That was the closest the thing to a to but what I was expecting. Of, I wanted yes. more of that kind yes. of stuff. You're right. Someone who was it's a load of crap. Don't then, watch it. Okay, but let's I'll talk just... about that fucking office at the end. The office. The the office. It, like what blockbuster had an office yeah, like that? It, had, it was like a nice office that he had with it. Like, it had, like, oh, with the frame posters. And frame and stuff. posters. A glass window, like yeah. a oh yeah, it yeah. was. It was not good. They were not. They were too cheap. Like, it, like I thought, if you want to see something funny that's kind of about the entertainment business, watch reboot, not this. Yeah. Or just listen to us. We could do a pod a special would... episode. We could tell stories. Fuck about it. We chasing should. We should do a special episode where or, we talk about blockbuster. Or just go watch the, the, the last blockbuster. I mean, there was it was there was a lot of like minor celebrities that that were funny when they were just yeah. talking about their stories. That documentary was a million times better than this show. Like I forget who it even was, but the guy was when he remember when he showed the kind of box that uh yeah. the the tape the tapes used to come in and he's like now I just keep my weed in it, you know I mean it's just like this was just it was so disappointing. I was very excited when they were making the show and it was yeah even like the cast even like the can cast you imagine just like the simplicity of like putting it in the nineties and just like going in to open on like a Sunday and you open the Dropbox and just have tapes and and discs just fall out of the person's feet and it's their look of sadness. It's like that. That one little moment yeah. could be that, like a, that. Would could, be, but but then again, like they had the blueprint there because they made the documentary, right? Just fictionalize, like do the documentary and do make show make jokes about you, that blockbuster up in Oregon. Yeah. But you also could have like so it could have been like an office style documentary about the last yeah. See, that might have been a better idea. I, 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 like, why are we thinking of like? Two to, to three ideas each that are better than what we got. They kind of made it into like a fuller house, but without the nostalgia of the original to make you like kind of, well, this is okay. Is we tried to use nostalgia of Blockbuster, but it wasn't there. Yeah, because it's not I, about Blockbuster. Because that wasn't what Blockbuster was. I yeah. think we need to make our own. We could do a video plus. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it down here. Video marquee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have the back room. <laughs> we can, uh, or major video. Uh, when when you would buy the the candies from Video Plus and then sneak them into the dollar show, the candies. Yeah, get, get some snow caps. Yeah, Mike and Ike's goobers. That's the only thing that stopped Falky's psychic powers in certain seconds, <laughs> like Detective Agency. Man, <laughs> this fucking thing. All yeah, right. so yeah, stay away from Blockbuster. Yeah, so from uh, drop boxes to Ryan's cabinet of curiosities. Yes, uh, Guillermo del Toro. 
His Cabinet of Curiosities on Netflix. I like how you said that, like you were going to do an accent, but then you didn't do an accent. You just said it weird. Guillermo del Toro? Yeah. That's his name? Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, it almost sounded like uh, Sosa's Santana impression. <laughs> well, anyway, um, so this is the best way to describe it. Um, what was it called? Alfred Hitchcock Presents, where he yeah. used to come on TV mm-hmm. and just It's kind of like his version of Twilight Zone. Yeah. yeah, and that's basically <laughs> what this is. Guillermo del Toro comes out <coughs> in the beginning of every episode and gives an explanation of what you're about, sort of what it's about and who directed it, and just sort of sets the stage for it. This one's about fish sex. No, there's no fish sex, thank God. Um, I, I love these type of like little anthologies, these little short stories, like Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. Is like I love those. Because like even if you're not enjoy- you don't like it by the end, it's like, oh, that wasn't so good, but let's go to the next one and see what it is. And the first one is the best one. Um, um, I'm not going to go into each detail about all of them. The first one entails uh, um, a storage unit where it's basically like one of those things where you just show up at this storage facility and no one has paid their bills or claimed this storage facility in so long so you can pay they have a they auction off oh yeah they the have unit. yeah that, my, my dad likes those right yeah. so they auction off this unit and the guy I can't remember his name he was in um uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He was the the warden of Minority Report. Oh, um, Tim Be- Tim Blake Nelson. Yes. So he's this like we thought you was a toad. Yeah, he's like this uh, right wing MAGA truck driver. He would be good at that. Ex military guy who hates everybody who bids on this thing and has no idea what he finds in it. And I'll just leave it there. But let me just tell you about the ep- I, there's eight episodes and I just finished episode seven. Because eight is enough for it is. See <laughs> that? Hey, you, you you giggle, but how many shows was reboot? Eight. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> so how many was the how many was House of the Dragon? Ten. Eight plus two. <laughs> <laughs> would, would, the, would the season have been better if it had only been eight episodes? Eight with two bonus episodes. Um, so, all right, episode seven. Let me just tell you, um, the premise is. This group of people get invitations to a viewing. That's all the description really goes into. I don't know what a viewing of what, but anyway, these four people get instructions on where to meet. They meet in a, a park, a, a parking garage, and a, and a van shows up and picks them up and brings them to this house. The owner of this house is Peter Weller, old RoboCop of himself, RoboCop? looking very much like David Carradine now. He was what start was it Star Trek in the Darkness? Yes. He was, yeah, he he did look like that. He was an Enterprise. Yeah, and he was. He was in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. And let me just tell you, this episode, like when it was over, I felt like I had been doing drugs. The way it's filmed and just how weird and but in a cool way it's filmed. Uh that episode might win some awards for art direction and cinematography because the way this director like frames the scenes like just the set designs the actual episode itself the way it ended i didn't really love but watching it like i want to watch it again drunk so are they all different writers and directors but yeah, every you know, one of them is, the, the just like he just shows up in the beginning with this big cabinet behind him with all this different crazy shit with all right, the, so the one that you're talking about i looked up the director it was directed by panos cosmatos and he's known for directing he did Mandy. Was that Nicolas Cage? Yeah, yeah. It does. It reminded me of like a, it's like a Blade Runner esque 
mixed with Dune, just the way it, and it all takes place in just some of this guy's house. But the the architecture, which they even talk about, the characters even discuss the architecture. But like Peter Wellish, creepy as hell. It's it's a really cool ass episode. But overall, the best episode was the first one, and the seventh one is amazing in a weird way. I didn't watch the last one yet, but. Like, I loved these type of shows, so I think they're worth checking out. And again, like, you can get, like, ten minutes into an episode. You may think you're not liking it. I guess you could skip it, but I think that's a mistake. I think even if you're not enjoying it, just stay and see how it goes. It's it's enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. But not anything you can watch with kids around. None of them. So if the, the last episode, the eighth one that you watch isn't good, I mean, you could argue that seven was enough. Right? That's a true point. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of really – Crispin Glover. Is, is prominent. Watch shows in seven episodes. Look, there's one episode with Crispin Glover, which is <laughs> that's insane. Al- that's already the weirdest one. Um, <laughs> it actually insane. isn't the weirdest one. Um, there's... Uh, I saw the second episode is called Graveyard Rats. Is that the one with Crispin Glover? Is he with the rats again? No, his is the one, I think, involving like a painter. I don't remember the name of it. It might be episode like three or four. Um, there's old... Uh, <laughs> Greg's favorite actor... Um, uh, God dang it! From Harry Potter, the redhead. Oh, uh, Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. Yeah, oh. he's. I thought, I thought, you were, I thought she, he meant. Uh, it was really weird seeing him. Like, I've never seen Tom him. In, I've never seen stuff. him in anything other than Harry Potter. So it was weird seeing him as an adult, like smoking a cigarette and well, stuff. Let's, it was let's, like, let's be clear. I have no problem with Rupert Grint. It's well, Ron yeah. Weasley. Ron Weasley. Let, I can't look at him and not think of Ron Weasley. So never be cheerful again. <laughs> The funny thing, though, about his episode, it doesn't, like, there is a, a prominent rat in it, and I kept thinking about scabbers. scabbers. Yeah, it's hilarious. You guys should check out uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Cool. Oh, earwax. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I was sure was a, a, a film vehicle for uh, good old Gerard Butler. Ryan, you watch Earthstorm? Jesus. All right, you're going through my list of everything I did. Um, Pretty much. This is really simple. Uh. This is a four-episode little mini thing on um, Netflix involving uh, horrific nature storms. Uh, episode one, I think, is on tornadoes. <laughs> like, there's tornadoes, earthquakes, uh, hurricanes, and volcanoes. I don't remember the order that they're in. But the cool thing about watching this, and you could put this on, like, um, just in general. There's no cursing. A lot of terrible things, but the amazing footage that's captured... And this was made in 2022, so it's brand new. Like 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 the hurricanes when I thought it was going to be about Katrina, it's actually more about Hurricane Ida. And the reason they they brought that one up is they actually had like storm chasers who came to Homa to <coughs> actually they they go out and they chase hurricanes and just to document what happened. And um, they talk about how the reason why they wanted to talk about Ida was because um, the storm intensified and moved at such a rapid pace they'd never seen before. And they talked, Mayor Cantrell actually was, is interviewed and she talked about how this storm was unlike anything they'd ever seen because they couldn't issue a mandatory evacuation because the storm came so fast they couldn't give 72 hours notice, which is apparently required for a mandatory evacuation. So her response to the public was to just hunker down and ride it out, which she was like, it was scary for her to say that, but they didn't have a choice. Um, each episode kind of delves into uh, climate change so if you're one of these people who don't believe in climate change you might get annoyed by that but i don't really give a fuck um but yeah it, it's really cool put that on the poster the, the tornado episodes like th- these tornado chasers the footage they're able to capture now is just unbelievable um it's a it's a cool little thing each episode is about 50 minutes but 
Do they use a Dorothy type machine? No. I was going to ask um, if they talk about the suck zone. They, they, didn't, they don't call it the suck zone. <laughs> That's what they call Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the suck zone. But uh, it's it, they're they're fine. I just found it really amazing, just the camera footage of it also. It's it's really worth checking out. Uh-huh. Where do you and get all this beef? <laughs> you see what cows are from? There are four no. of them? Yeah, it's just... <laughs> And each episode is about one of the ones about volcanoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, and tornadoes. Um, well, and where where was this? Netflix. Netflix. Well, uh, a, a movie that I watched that confused the hell out of Ryan. What Are we done it? with TV? Yeah. Okay. Moving on to movies. All right. Um, it's a lot of TV. So I watched uh, a documentary that came on Apple TV called uh, Selena Gomez, uh, My Mind and Me. Um, I watched the Demi Lovato documentary about her struggles with, with mental illness and and a couple of, of addiction issues. Greg, it's they. No, no she's a she again. Oh, she, she, she changed her mind? She oh. changed her mind. Oh, yeah, well. I, I just went and saw her in concert. Oh, so, yeah. so she, did she explain who she is and if she's a she? No, or she a... I mean, that was not a topic of okay. conversation. She so, came so, out and seemed okay. very happy and, right. and you know, adjusted. Okay. Today she's a she. I just want to make sure we're identifying her correctly because at one time she was a they. I know, and I, I, I called her I really didn't. I didn't know she had changed her identification to I, her. I, I, think, I believe we had... At any rate, she um, <laughs> had a documentary. <laughs> Madame Lovato. Or Lovato. Miss Lovato had a documentary that I, I thought was very courageous and bold, and it kind of helps you understand a lot of, of, of what we see in the media and how it's portrayed. And with Selena Gomez, I knew she had some health issues, but I didn't know uh, about... Her, her bipolar where did, issues. Where was this at? Uh, on Apple TV. Is that where the other one was? No, the other one was on, uh, was there was a YouTube documentary. Oh, okay. Um, but this kind of details, like, you know, those health struggles, but also, like, her, like, how long it's, like, she's been in, in the, the public eye since she was a young kid on all these, these different shows, and the kind of toll that it takes in someone who has an undiagnosed, you know, Mental illness. She she was a, a Wizard of Waverly Place. Wasn't she, she was, yeah. And she was also on Barney. Really? Okay. Yeah. Like the cartoon. Like the fucking purple. The purple oh, that's what I meant. And yeah. then she fucked Justin Spiva. I was getting really scared because we were well, just talking wait, about Barney, so wait, and you that, said, "Didn't she just so fuck him?" I'm like, I, I oh didn't, God. like, you you look at all these different albums, but at one part at the beginning, she's <laughs> she's broken up with with, with Justin Bieber, and she talked. I didn't realize that all of the albums that she had had up until that point, she had kind of been seeing him off and on. So the album that she had after that was important to her because it was her first one without that, and she was so worried with, the, with in her mental health about whether or not it was going to, like she was going to do any anything good with it because people were tying her to Justin so much. Um, and it also deals with her health relapses. Like she had a kidney transplant. Um, I don't remember when that happened. Because she has lupus, and it's a, a condition that's constantly... Uh, like like having these different different uprisings, and then you get into a is situation. lupus one of those things? There's no cure for you. Just have to kind of like deal with it. I believe so. Yeah. But she also does some charity work, and the organization she's just doing the charity work for comes under some scrutiny from for some things. It's, there's like all this purpose she's finding, and she like the limelight isn't what motivates her. It's her leaving the world better than she found it and helping people. So it's a really interesting dive, and in a, in a I, I would say that the. The Demi Lovato one's probably a better documentary. It's a, I get a bit juicier, but this is like she goes to her her high school and talks to all the kids there and tells them about it. You know, it's okay. She's Are like, we talking about Selena Gomez again? Yeah, Selena okay. Gomez. Yes, I just transitioned over to. Okay. Us. 
she goes to her, her high school and she walks through the, the, the halls and she talks to the kids and she's like, look, I didn't believe it when I was here, but listen to your teachers. You know, they know a lot more than you think. And she has this, this really nice talk. She hugs these, these children that, uh, that you know, I don't know. One, one kid's like, oh, he, oh, he really likes you. She give him a hug. He'll freak out. And then she walks like to this, uh, this house in her old neighborhood where there was a woman that she used to kind of give a lot of shit to. And that woman's got very sickly, and she goes and talks to her about things. She's like, oh, I'm sorry for how I treated you when I was a kid. And it's just these really kind of poignant moments between someone who's kind of in this really interesting bit of recovery. And I think, for me, both of the – like the, the one that happened with Demi Lovato and then this one, it's normalizing uh, mental health in a way that I think is necessary because our, our country's got a huge, huge issue with mental health. And, you know, kind of knowing how to – I guess process it all and, and, and talk about it in a healthy way and people being brave enough to have the conversation that I'm not okay and I have some issues to deal with uh, I gotta say I'm quite proud of her for that so did you you said that you thought the Demi Lovato one was a better documentary I think it was a, it was a better documentary because it was it was uh, for, it's constructed better how um, long is this this one's about an hour and 40 minutes I okay so oh that's kind of long <clears throat> Well, take, it goes through a couple of years. It goes through pre-COVID and then through COVID and to more recent stuff. Does she talk about all murders in the building at all? I was going to ask. She doesn't. No, she doesn't mention it. Um, Just because it seems like that's a much different atmosphere than her previous. Like, yeah, like, and, uh, you know, and that's and that's kind of funny. When I saw that she was in that, um, it, I was kind of like, that's an odd choice. But I can kind of see this documentary. It's like it's her trying, trying to like let go of some of the old things that kind of bog her down. She actually like hates. Uh, like those old kind of kind of things. She, she finds value in the songs that she used to sing, but she hates that poppy version of herself. And it was funny because the Demi Lovato concert we went to, um, she did a lot of hard rock versions of older songs, and I really appreciated her twist on that. And it's again someone trying to kind of free themselves from from how people used to view them. Did you watch Only Murders in the Building? I haven't watched it now. I can see why, based on what you're saying, I can see why she chose that role because her character. Um, has some insecurities about herself, but she's also got a lot of strong qualities. Yeah. So I can see why she picked that. That's a that's a that's a great. I don't know how much you know she had in picking that, or if someone you know picked that role for her. But that was a great casting choice to pick her for that movie. I mean, I'm sorry, that show. So all quiet on the Western Front. Oh God. Yeah. Um. So uh, I've been wanting to see this. Now I had never. Full disclosure: I never saw the original. And it's based off a book. The- um, but this is it takes place during World War One, and we, I have we don't get a lot of World War One movies. No, which is one of the reasons why I was excited for this. Um, War Horse. I've never seen that. Is it any good? good? Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. good. It's very good. It's good. Well, in the I mean, Steven Spielberg. Well, look, hey, uh, and uh, with the, the 19, 19, 14, 17. or seventeen. I know we're kind of divided on Rotten Tomatoes, but if you go on Rotten Tomatoes Twitter page right now, they have a. A giant Steven Spielberg movie tournament well, going on. Well, because on. his new film's coming out. Yeah. So, like, uh, it was really cool. Greg, you'll appreciate it, some of the matchups. I'm I'll just, be the judge of that. Yeah, go look at it. It's interesting. Um, so, All Quiet on the Western Front. Basically, it it's the German army. Um, and you get basically sort of two stories. The story of the this group of soldiers, um, them sort of, I guess they sort of joined They'd sort of joined up for this with this this idyllic version of what they thought this war would be. Yeah, um, the, the glory of fighting for Mother Germany. And I mean, like, I think you got to remember. And I thought this this movie did a fantastic job. You know, this is obviously before like 
you know, television and all that different stuff. So like when they sign up for this and they no first computers. there's nothing. But like when they first sign up, like I think one of the characters like makes some kind of statement about like where they are, like how grimy it is. They were like, What what are we doing? Like I, I wanna go home and like they started freaking out as soon as they got there. And you so you see the story from the soldiers, but you also see it this was the part I thought was fascinating. The the political figures who were trying to end the war as fast as possible, like these German politicians who were like, look, the military has fucked this up. We're getting our people killed. We've got to stop this now. And it's sort of like a race of, on one side, these politicians trying to end the war and these poor guys who are still fighting it. And this is one of the best war movies I've seen in a while. Yeah, I agree. Now, there is a couple parts, like there's an opening battle, and then after that, it gets a little slow but it does get a bit slow, but I mean, I think that was kind of intentional because it shows that there was a lot of time where they were not actually fighting and they were just like kind of holding a position yeah. and they were Doing, just, they were right. bored and they were hungry because they couldn't, they were running out of Yeah, rations. like, I'm not going to say it's not, it wasn't necessary for you yeah. to like, you know, learn the characters <laughs> and everything, but um, this has some of the most honest, epic, brutal battle scenes I have ever seen. It's, it's close to Saving Private and Brian, but yeah. not quite as like, chaotic yeah uh as far as like the cake saving private ryan did a lot of like crazy camera work whereas this one the camera is pretty stoic on the intensity of what's going on and the deaths are up close and they're brutal and it's it's an amazing war film i mean you really see the horrors of war and this movie did an amazing job i mean we you always hear people talk about you know oh you know war is is pointless it, it should never happen blah 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 and that's all true what i loved about this movie is that when you think the movie's over and you're like yeah the horror it's finally over and then some decision that's made from someone who shouldn't be making these decisions just makes things a thousand times unnecessarily worse it's spectacular. This is a great, great movie that I can't recommend yeah, I mean, enough. It was, it was, it, I, I love that they, the way they showed the people that were actually fighting the war and how they were basically living in poverty while they're trying to fight. Trying, they were stealing food from farms and stuff like that. And then they would just transition over to the people that are, you know, in charge of running the war and whether they should end it. And every time they show them, it's just all kinds of just food everywhere and yeah. all these pastries and everything that they're not even eating. And it's just, and it's just, it just really makes you think that, you know, the ones that are fighting it are not the ones that, you know, there was, <laughs> should be fighting. There was a great line um, at one point. One of the characters was like, uh, you know, oh, you know, we lost so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And the other guy's like, well, yeah, good for them. They don't have to live with everything we just had to go through. And I was yeah. just like, whoa. I was like, it's it's really good. I would probably give this – now, again – we talk about grading movies based on if you don't like war movies don't okay, watch this let me yeah and i'll tell you because my wife was not interested at all she was she came out of the bedroom and i was watching it and she's like what are you watching and i was like i was like it's a really long really violent world war one movie that's all in german with right. subtitles and she's like yeah i'm not gonna watch that like <laughs> uh, for example just off the t- subject what is that mads mickelson foreign film that won all those oscars um a while back Oh, another round? Another yes. Round? So, like, me and my girlfriend have been dying to watch it. But, like, every time we go to put it on, it's like, we got to, if we put this on, we got to pay attention because it's subtitles. subtitles. So, it's like, if you put on a war movie, like, with subtitles, you really have to pay attention to what's going on. So, again, it's not for everybody. 
but for me, this is like a nine point six. Yeah, I was. I, I don't know. I mean, I'd probably give it about an eight and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very just well done movie though. Fastest woman on earth. Okay, so um, I, I watched this. So this is a documentary on HBO Max. Oh, real quick. Uh, yes. All oh. Quiet on the Western Front. It's Netflix. Netflix. I don't think I don't think we said that. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so Fastest Woman on Earth, this is a documentary um, done by HBO Max um, about uh, Jesse Combs. So Jesse Combs was a, um, she was a stunt woman, and uh, she had a lot to do with, um, like, she, she, had, she had a show, they have those cable um, channels where they, like, build cars and stuff like that. She had a couple of shows on that. A lot of people know her because she was um, a guest host on Mythbusters when uh, Carrie Byron went out on maternity leave. Yeah. Um, uh, Jesse Combs stepped in for like six or seven episodes, but um, she passed away in uh, 2019, trying to break the land speed record. So they, uh, starting in 2013, this camera crew they started filming a documentary on Jesse Combs trying to break this land speed record. And um, I have to give the people making this documentary props because when she died, they kind of made this documentary just more about her life. So you learn a lot about her, where she, you know, she's from um, the Midwest. They interview her, her parents, her family, her friends. You, you learn a lot about her and how, um, you know, when she started, she left the Midwest to go because she wanted to. Could uh, you, do you have, a, I'm sorry, do, no, you, do you have a, so you said they had to pivot. Could you, could you get a sense of that while you were watching not, it? Not, not, I mean, kind of towards, maybe towards the end, you can kind of, but there's a lot more where they're talking about her life. And I think when they in initially started filming this, it was more about her trying to break this landscape yeah. record. And they, it seemed like they started interviewing a lot of people just kind of about her. And um, just about her leaving the Midwest, trying to break into the... It was primarily a boys' club. All these, um, you know, racers and people building cars and working on cars and um, stuff like that. And um, then she meets this... this crew of these guys that are building this um jet car which is basically a converted fighter plane they got this old fighter plane from the u.s military and they start converting it to this this car and it goes into like the the previous uh women that have broken this land speed record and how um the thing that I, the things i found most interesting were like all the conditions it had to be to even run this car because all these land speed records are broken on this um this dry um, lake bed, uh, out, I think it's in Utah or somewhere, but the way that the weather is, um, certain, a certain time of the year, uh, it, it rains a lot, and there's probably an inch or two of water in this, in, in this little lake, and then when the wind starts blowing, it blow, you know, all the, the water leaves, and when the water goes, it's, it said it's smooth like, like toilet paper almost, where these cars can just fly over this, uh, this land. And they had this one part where the whole um, her the the attempt of her breaking the landscape record had to be pushed a year because there was a drought and it didn't rain, and the uh, terrain was too rough. But um, I mean, they go through all the safety checks where they have to go and make sure there's not even a pebble on the road because it would mess up the car. Jesus. And um, it's it's incredible all the, the the stuff they're doing to try to break this. I mean, the landscape record. I mean, this car can go almost 800 miles an hour, and. Um, and I'll just say, um, when she died, bait break attempt in one of her attempts, there were a number of GoPros around her, and they actually they do show the the footage 
Of her death? You, you don't actually see her die, but you see the crash. Um, but it's very, it's, I thought it was very tastefully done the way they talk to everybody and, um, the, you know, they, you know, all the, the scholarships they've set up for her and the, the, just the ground, you know, all the breakthroughs she did, especially for women that are interested in. What uh, made you watch this? I mean, I was always, I liked her on Mythbusters. Oh, when okay. I saw When I saw the, um, the documentary, I'm like, let me check this out. And did you know she had died before you saw Yeah, that? yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I, I did. And she died, it was. I mean, it was 2019. It wasn't that. I just, ago. Yeah, but um, uh, and I had heard that they were they were filming a documentary about her when you know when she passed passed away. But this is a very interesting story about this uh, about this this woman. And like I said, all the stuff with this car is insane. All the the work and the way that this thing looks. But I would highly recommend this. It's very good. It is like I said when when you know it's it's a little bit of a tragic outcome, but. It's uh, it's very it's very tastefully done. I'd probably give it about I don't know, eight and a quarter. It's it, like I said, I really enjoyed it. It's on HBO Max. Do you find it like kind of curious? Like I have HBO and I watch HBO on my Directv a lot, but I don't find they promote a lot of the HBO Max exclusive very much, which is kind of weird. Like I never heard of this, and I watch HBO all the time, and I never seen anything on this. Yeah, you, you should go check it out. It's 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 a very interesting story. Um, that's the well, that's why we're here. <laughs> So Ryan, you started a new company, Orgasm Incorporated. I did. Um, you will come for your money back. That's our motto. No, that's not the. That's not what this is about. Um, this is uh, shit. Was this Netflix? I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. This was Netflix. Um. So again, I I was just scrolling through Netflix one day and I saw the title and I was like, oh my god, watch that. I don't know anything else about it, but I'm gonna press play. <clears throat> and it's about a sex cult. And I'm like, Eureka, gold mine, because I love cults anyway, and it's throwing some sex. And I'm you like, ever thought about joining a sex cult? I, I did, honestly, I, did, I never really thought about it. Or you can start one. Would First gotta, of all, here, here's why would I you would. Do that would, you so important. would you be a follower? I'd be a follower. I mean, I hear you have more fun as a follower. Yeah. More money than a leader. But like, I, I'm, not, I'm not wealthy enough, because this is what I'll tell you about these cults. All these people have way too much money. That's the problem. They're all entitled wealthy people who just have money to just fork over to people like most of them I mean, well the like people the, the people in the cult give you the money oh yeah i'm not talking about the david koresh poor people cult i'm talking about like scientology and nexium the, the you el- said all these cults well i meant the elitist cults only the eight yeah cults not the manson cults where you could just be anybody who could walk in off the street you know you got to have like a you know some privileges to get into these cults so <laughs> can't sit country here. clubs of cults yeah <laughs> so this uh Orgasm Incorporated is about this cult. Uh, they call it a company called One Taste. <laughs> it's a club. So here's the the thing about this. Um, apparently, this woman I don't remember her name. She develops this program um, for what's called Oming, O M I N G, Oming, which is orgasmic meditation. And it generally is for women. And in this little group of people, like the males will, like the women will lay down and the males will, uh, as demonstrated in the documentary, using one finger, stimulate the female for like a while and like tell she has like possibly like, 15 minute long orgasms and all this different stuff. And 
apparently it's supposed to be some sort of like a, I don't want to say a religious thing, but almost like a like a almost like a meditative like, like yoga, the, like the thing Sting does, the, the, kind the of. Mm-hmm. But it's it's much stranger <laughs> because this woman like keeps putting these people in awkward positions as far as like people who don't really necessarily like each other. She sort of like puts them together. So that'd be quite the icebreaker. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, it's a little odd. Um, as far as like cults go, it wasn't one of my more exciting cults to watch. No Teal Swan. No, like like no. This woman is very. They actually talk about how she kind of borrowed a lot of stuff from L. Ron Hubbard, where she uses the idea of trying it's to get. It's not actually Shelley Miscavige, right? No, we don't know where she is. <laughs> But uh, talking about using celebrities to bring them in to sort of like... Did they get? They have any celebrities? I don't remember. Not any major celebrities, no. But they get like Gwyneth Paltrow to... Because this woman wrote like books on this stuff. And like Gwyneth Paltrow on her podcast interviewed her and stuff. And so they talked about how getting public notoriety through celebrities will bring people in. Um, Yeah, and, and that's basically what it's about. It's only like an hour and 30 minute documentary about weird people fingering each other and stuff and you know that's what the whole weird cult is about and it it starts to get to the point where um unfortunately it does get a little dark where like she comes up with these weird ideas where like she wants males in the group to be more like uh accepting of their animalistic nature i guess i would say where if they like suddenly like get an urge to like sort of attack a female like it's the female's job to always be in an orgasmic meditative state to welcome the male's aggression so like you're talking about like this woman encouraging men to sort of like attack women i guess in a way and it's really it gets really strange like you'd think it's some kind of crazy guy like some kind of um freaking mormon guy telling the women oh you got to respect your no it's just this this woman telling all the other females they need to you know always accept the men no matter what Mm -hmm. they say or do and if you don't like what they're doing it's because of you not them and i'm like this is insane so it gets kind of dark towards the end but uh it's worth checking out um very weird it's on netflix give me a number a seven I mean, it, it kept my interest, but like I didn't. It, it, I've seen I've seen better cults. I don't work with the males. <laughs> well, I mean, the next movie that we can talk about uh, seemed to, to be similar to what some of the things you're mentioning about Orgasm Incorporated, and uh, it's one that I wanted to kind of watch for a while. John's apparently watched it too, but Olivia Wilde directed a movie called "Don't Worry, Darling," um, and it is premiered on HBO Max. So I, I fired it up and gave it a watch. Now, this is the journey I went on watching this movie. At first, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a Twilight Zone episode. I agree. This is really cool. And there was re- there's really good performances in it. Uh, Florence Pugh is amazing, and you kind of get the little threads going. Um, and then as it goes on, um, I kind of like – I was like, okay, well, what are, where are they going with it? And then they have their kind of like twist in the resolution, and it kind of ends, and I want more. Like I don't think it was finished. No. Now, so what's what's the general? Because the the story is yeah, basically this. So the there is this uh, community in California um, where it's in the fifties, and it's led by this guy named Frank, who's played by Chris Pine, and he's like, "We're here working on this pro- the Victory Project." And every morning, these little tract homes, 
<clears throat> the women, you know, tell their husbands goodbye and their housewives the entire day. It's very much they they make the food. They they shop at the local store. The women are encouraged not to drive. They ride these little trolleys. Like step and the guys, kind of, kind of. And the guys go drive out through the desert to home base every day to go to work. Um, and there's a, a a friend that's no longer a friend of the group of women, who basically lost a child. And she experienced something, and they, they all think she's crazy. So Florence Pugh's character, because they used to be friends, um, start, is like very concerned with her. And she tells her something that kind of makes her curious and then kind of breaks the, the wall. So like basically they're told not to go to certain places. They're being protected. For, they're safe in the community. If they go outside into the desert – Bad things are going to happen. And no one can know. The, the husband, it's all top secret with the husbands. Dude, they're not allowed to talk about their jobs at all. Uh, so the wives have no idea what they do for this company. They just know that it's important. And it's in the middle of the desert. And yeah. all the women go to the, the, the Frank's uh, wife has these classes where it's like, we got to control everything. Sounds like it's got like a little severance vibes. It also has some yeah. Scientology vibes I kind of yeah. got from it. There's some, some commentary on that, female subjugation. Little Pleasantville, little um, little bit of oh, all yeah, those kind of threads together, and that that it's again elegant tapestry, pretty well acted tapestries. Um, but what happens is Florence Pugh's character kind of <laughs> has this like break where she sees something, she sees a plane crash, and she's like, "We need to go help these people." And the guy driving the trolley, "No, I don't do that." We like so she goes out into the desert on her own, and something happens that kind of breaks her out of this like, and she starts to see things. Um, so the entire time, like, well, is she crazy? Is is the, are, are things going on? Um, and then the kind of the story unfolds and reveals itself. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting movie. It's incredibly well acted. Was this uh, just on HBO Max, or did it go to theater? It was in theater. Oh, the, the the um the drama of the making of this oh, movie. You, I followed. Right. Like, that's like, that's kind of why I wanted to see it because there was so much drama around it. I mean. And, and anytime uh, pop stars accuse of spitting on Captain Kirk, I'm, well, I'm I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, about I don't know how how you feel about this, John, but like seventy five percent of the movie, I'm like, man, this is good. Yeah, I was like, what about the other twenty five? The other twenty five percent, I'm like, okay. <laughs> the well, other twenty five percent needed to be about another forty five percent, rather. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, because yeah. it's. I feel once we get to the point of of like we find out what's really happening, um, they kind of just fly by it, and then there's a resolution, yeah. and there. There's one character like that towards the end. I don't know if you found this as well, where the resolution of that character. I'm like, well, why did that happen? And who is this other person that that held that character accountable? And why are they like? It's really yeah. weird. <clears throat> and even the ending of the movie, like it doesn't end with a thing that makes you think there's going to be like a sequel or revisiting the world. But I think that we didn't get enough out of what happened for a satisfactory resolution for me. Or it really characters. was like a Twilight. Cause I mean, some Twilight Zone episodes just kind of ended, you know, very abruptly. And that's kind of how it was. Cabin of the Curiosities as well. Yeah. I mean, I saw a common kind of um, critique was a lot of people said that it would have been better if you would have known more about the background of Chris Pine's character. But yeah. I didn't, yeah. I, that I yeah. said that's a valid complaint. And that's also like the rest of the characters that are kind of on his side. That's my complaint with it too, because there's a lot that that happened that's kind of the, the, the point that I'm kind of drive, driving home with John who, who's seen it where like I just kind of don't know like why this there's one scene towards the end and you might know what I'm talking about where I'm like why did was that necessary at all to be in the movie yeah I know exactly what you mean but Chris Pine's character I mean was very interesting when and he was on he's, he's, he's awesome like, when he's in it but it's just and Harry Styles too he was very Harry Styles was very good so would you recommend this movie 
it's worth a watch on HBO Max. I'm glad I didn't go to the theater to see it. Yeah. I give it about a six, honestly. Yeah, that's where I was going. Six. Okay. So yeah, worth a watch, but not like it's nothing you're going to go, oh, I have to. What an incredible movie. But I mean, it's got a good cast. I mean, it's Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. So basically, it was originally supposed to be uh, Shia LaBeouf. It was. Um, and Chris Pine is in it. It's Olivia Wilde is in it. Nick Kroll is in it. Gemma Chang. Gemma Chang's in it. So basically, somebody's like, should I watch this movie? Be like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I, honestly, like, you and Crystal should give it a watch. Yeah. If, you, if you have will. some time, you need to kill some time. And If we stumble across a trailer and she's interested in it, I mean, I, we'll watch it. I mean, what the fuck we got to do? We can't <laughs> spare two hours. <laughs> At this point, if you watch this movie, I am Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Well, from uh, Darlings to Beasts. Oh. I saw this. Oh. I saw this. I saw this. I did not see this. It's on Peacock. Yeah. It's on, it's on, it's on Peacock. This actually came to theaters a while ago. and uh, Beast. So, I think it came out in like May or maybe August. Whatever it came out. Summer. Yeah, it was summer. And I just remember like it was one of those things. And I think, you know, you guys. and came out list, August 19th. August. So, it was an August movie. Um, it's one of those things, and I know you guys probably know what I'm talking about, where you're sitting at home and a trailer or you know commercial comes on for a movie coming out, and you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then it says, coming this Friday. Now, to a normal person who just doesn't really like, or is not in, engrossed in films like we not, are. Not in the bubble. Not in the bubble. Mm-hmm. That may not bother them, but like to me, I feel like I should have known about this way before, a week before it's coming out. Like, How did I not hear about this? So my initial reservations were like, this movie's going to be a piece of crap. Like, they're just, like, throwing this out at the last minute. Especially when it's a movie with someone like Idris Elba in it. I mean, Idris Elba and Charlotte Copley and about a killer lion. I'm like, this must be some kind of stupid, like, scare horror movie just to make a couple bucks off a horror genre. And that's not what this is. This is actually, I thought, a very well done um, little suspense thriller. Um I, it's about uh, Idris Elba and his daughters. They're going back to Africa. They've just lost their mother, who's passed away from cancer. Um, and she's had a, a passion for the outdoors, for the African. She was a, she was a photographer. She was right. a photographer, and she was from there, where they're right. going. From the village in Africa. Um, and uh, that's they, they know Charlotte Copley's character. Uh, he a, he and the mother grew up together. They're a yeah, friend. The kids call him, call him uncle. Yeah, like he's been a friend of the family for years. And, you know, it's been a, um, you know, he's. They're all they all know each other really well, and he's basically bringing the kids there to just get to know their past, and you know, um, you know, maybe go on a safari, see some wildlife, and Charlotte Copley, like, um, he, how do you how do you explain exactly what he does? He he hunts poachers in a way. He's more like a he go he goes after poachers, but he also takes almost, care. He's almost like a game warden, kind of. Yeah, and like yeah, and and he and, Dune. Well, I'm gonna get to that. There's like the like there's a pack of lions who are, are living on Pride Rock, basically, um, that have been set there. That he knows these lions, and they are familiar with him. So he he's got a familiarity with he's the like animals. He's like a conservationist. Yes, yeah. he's like a con. Thank you, a conservationist. But he also, if if poachers are around, he will go after these poachers. Um, so basically, they go on a, on a little safari, and they make one discovery, which seems a little odd, which leads to another discovery, and then things go from there. Now, here's what I will say about this movie. I thought it was very well done as far as, like, we've talked about this before, like when we talk about Barbarian, 
of characters in horror or suspense movies making decisions that doesn't make sense. Whereas in this film, I felt like every choice they made was very rational. Whereas like Idris Elba's character, quite a few times, like we need to get the hell out of here because we we need to get back to the to the to our house and something pops up where it's like, well, wait, we got to make sure this person's okay. And one thing leads to another. I don't want to talk too much about like, he's a, he's a doctor. He's a doctor. So like it's the Hippocratic. Oh, he's got to help somebody who's hurt. But I thought it was really, really well done. Very suspenseful. And again, I didn't think it was, I thought it was going to be, I I don't want to say stupid, but I thought it was just going to be like a dumb, mindless, make you jump. When I watched the trailer for this, Heather wasn't interested in, in it at all. But I kind of wanted to see it in theaters. I think do Heather. Do you regret not? Yes, seeing, that's I that's, do because yeah. I, I feel like the the sound and the intensity and the darkness would have kind of. And, and I'm gonna say I, I agree with you. I and, it, and it's not overly long. No, it's, it's only about 95 minutes yeah. or so, which is um, perfect. Yeah, it's perfect for this. However, did you find it's the exact same plot as Jurassic Park? Which I think might have been on purpose because there's a part at the beginning where the girl's wearing a Jurassic Park shirt. Which made me start thinking about it, and the more I thought about it, and it's like it's the, it's the same plot. I, I he plays s- Nedry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out getting embryos. I mean, I, I can, I'd have to work really hard to, to see. Oh, what, I, I didn't have to work at like like. There's elements of what you're talking about as far as I mean, like. I see this I like mean, him, and, and I, I'm, I'm not even saying this is a complaint because like, no, like, no. I think they know it. No, they, they I, I get what you're saying. Like as far as how like he's he's friendly with the lions. But like, there's one rogue lion who's gone mad. That's and everything with Charlton Copley's character. What happens to him? I mean, I, it's, there's a lot of elements in this that are very similar to stuff that I didn't particularly think about that. I mean, I could see where you went though. It's not crazy to go that route. And again, I don't. Necessarily, I think they might have actually kind of did this on purpose. Like they they kind of based like like let's take Jurassic Park, take the dinosaurs out, put some real some lions in there, and kind of use the the bare bones of the structure kind of thing. I think that might be like like a fun writing exercise kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I don't, I'm, like I said, I'm not really using this as a complaint. I just I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see where you came from. I, I didn't I didn't make that conclusion. I I did notice her shirt though. I thought it was kind of cool. So rating? Um, I give it about a seven. I, I'm a, I'm at like a seven and a half. I was going I was going right around seven. Excellent, and and I, I appreciated that it wasn't overly long, and it no, and it shouldn't have been. Got to the, yeah, like, care of business. And another part that I Every thought day. was 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 really well done was um, when Idris Elba and Charlotte Copley get separated, and they're able to communicate through radio. Mm-hmm. Their discussions, like where one character saying, "All right, I'm going to go do this," and he's like, "No, no, no, that's that's a bad idea. Here's why." And it was it was smart. Like the characters weren't stupid about like and, and what's I'll, going on. And I'll say you can. I mean, looking it up, all the lines in this were all CGI, and it was it was good CGI. It you're right, it was. At times, though, I do kind of wish it was real lions. Uh, at, like at least the part which with Copley when he yeah. like with the lions that are friendly. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was very good CGI. Well, Enola Holmes two debuted on Netflix. I'm very sad I didn't get to watch this. Uh, didn't you? Weren't you the one who championed the first one? Oh, the first one was awesome, but uh, I didn't get a chance to watch this because I wanted. Heather wants to see it, and we she hasn't watched the first one, so we're gonna try to watch that and then watch the second one. Um, I watched it, Karen, and I watched it. It's a, I mean, I'm not really gonna get much into it. It's a, it's a Sherlock Holmes type story, like the first movie was. I mean, it's she's Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, and um, it was enjoyable. I don't know. It, I don't know if I liked it quite as much as the first one, but it was still pretty good. This one did have a little bit more Henry Cavill in it than the first one did, which is always a good thing. 
Henry Cavill plays, you know, he plays Sherlock in it. And um, Enola Holmes is played by <coughs> Millie Bobby Brown of Stranger Things fame. I like that you can't say her name without saying Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Bobby Brown. So, like Uncle, uh, Uncle Baby Uncle Billy. Billy yeah. yeah, exactly. She's good. She is good. Yeah. She's really good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought this was a... This was a good a good sequel. I mean, it was just the way they make those movies. I mean, you know, each one is just a new a new mystery, and I thought they did a good job with it. They didn't really have to go into explaining too much or where anybody came from because it was the sequel. So, um, yeah, we we really enjoyed it the other night. Um, I'd probably give that seven and a half. What would you have given the first one? Eight. Okay, so it's similar. It's, yeah. it's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, and this is Netflix, right? Netflix. Yep. Well, you gentlemen got to see Wakanda Forever. Yes, we did. I read the spoilers. That was stupid. This fucking guy. Yeah, I, me and me and John and guy. And we went on a double date with the wife. We did. We went and saw. Uh, we went to the China Doll, and then we went to see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. That's a hell of a night. It was. It was. That is a hell of a night. night. Yeah. Good night. Did you have room for popcorn? No. No, that wasn't perfect. You see, you got to you got to yeah, you got to portion it out, butter. But oh, it was close. Well, you got to take hey, your leftover China. <laughs> hear me out, though. Hear okay. me out. I knew we were going to China at all, and I knew we were going to the movie. I got home from work midday that day, and I watched All Quiet on the Western Front and had my popcorn then. That's why he's the leader. So I had popcorn. That's and why. Then, and then about two and a half hours passed by, and it was time for China at all, and I was hungry. And then when I was done with China at all, I just wanted something so, sweet, so I just had an icy. Speaking of, of date nights and food and, and things like that, I sent you a photograph the other day. Uh, we, we, I went out on a, on a date with oh, yeah. my wife, and that we went to good. Bonefish Grill. And when we got there, I, I was craving kind of a steak, and I wanted to get something because she's been kind of having some trouble with meat, so we were, I was going to get some seafood. So we went over there, and we we go, and there's a there's a, a thing on the menu. First of all, there was a, there's this nice – good for dates – for forty nine fifty, you can do a, a fixed price menu where you do you get, each get a salad. You get to choose from one of these seven entrees, and you get to split a dessert. Just pricks fix. <laughs> Fucking moron. <laughs> we just quoted Bad Santa. But so, <laughs> in addition to do it, so that's what we did. But we also added uh, these th- this appetizer called the BFG fries. Now these fries are covered in crab meat and bang bang sauce. So uh, hold on. Oh. I'm trying to think what the BFG stands for. Bonefish Grill. That's it? <laughs> That's very disappointing. I thought it was going to be like code big for what's... Big fucking good? Yeah, exactly. No, I was saying it wasn't a doom, the BFG. Big, was... It was big fucking it was gun. A big gun, fucking yeah. gun, yeah. Um, but yeah, those Or the Roll Dahl book, the big fucking giant. <laughs> if the person... <laughs> yeah, big fucking giant. <laughs> um, I never saw that. Is that what it is? So you I didn't get the bang bang shrimp? You got the... So no, big, we got those fries. <laughs> and let me tell you... Whoever whoever came up with this recipe, if they did not win a Nobel Prize, it brought peace to me. Well, so you I hope weren't. It was Mark Rylance. <laughs> I know you probably saw the price of it. Were you tempted to get Chilean sea bass? No, and honestly, I've always wanted to try a Chilean it's, sea bass. It's look. Well, this is what we had though. So I got the the sirloin, and it came with. Uh, I got some mashed potatoes with it, which by the way were fucking amazing. They put cheddar on top. It, they oh, it was great. But the other thing that we got because we did a little bit of surf and turf. There was a shrimp and scallop pasta. Okay. Now, the sauce that came with it, I had to ask about it because it wasn't like a traditional kind of cream sauce. It was almost like a Bernays sauce, like butter with a mm-hmm. little bit of garlic and, and some like. It was delicious. And uh, for dessert, I'm normally not a big key lime fan. They had a key lime cake. 
mm. which is like vanilla with light little citrus and this this key lime frosting with coconut. What an amazing meal! You guys should go have it. And yeah, I am. Uh, I had I've only been to Bonefish Grill once. We went recently, and my girlfriend swears by the place, and that's where she goes to get Chilean sea bass because it's not obviously it's not a local fish. Um, I've had it once in Florida. It, it's it's a great. Great, great fish. So if you ever had a chance to get chill, I just know it from Jurassic Park. That's why I wanted it. Well, I also had a, a smoked old fashioned. Um, oh, how was that? It, delicious. They, they they put like the smoke on the top, so it, it has this kind of like smoky finish. Really, they put smoke on it to make it smoky. Yeah, yeah, right. That's how <laughs> so they just like use it like what, like, what like, like, like does the bartender just I mean, like that, inhale a cigarette and blow it on? I mean, the top it's of a smoky it? old fashioned toast slipped over the line. <laughs> well, it's basically like there's like a piece of like hi- like hickory or something, but they. They capture the smoke inside of a glass and put it on top of it so that you lift it off and it, the aroma's left in it. Hence the smoke. Yeah. And <laughs> then uh, eight, my wife had a, 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 an apple martini and it tasted like an apple pie. It was fucking delicious. Good times. But anyway. The China doll was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do we get on the bonefish grill from... So we were talking about China doll and they oh. went a date, on a date night and I said I, I wanted... Because I knew... I forgot to talk to you guys about it earlier because I sent it to John and John's like... What is that and where? And then I wanted to tell you guys about it. So, John, did you get the mandarin chicken or the lo mein? I kind of neither. We got really because we were me and my wife were splitting everything, and she wanted the boneless fried chicken, which is basically the same thing. Yeah, but it comes with the vegetables. No mandarin sauce though. So we got that and a combination fried rice. Ooh, nice, sweet. That's good stuff. Yeah. So, do y'all want my opinion of the review from reading spoilers on on this Black Panther movie? Well, you didn't see the movie. No, I'm just—I could tell you what I—I I, I will give you my initial reaction His from what I reaction. read, just from what I read. Okay. I noticed that there's like a little bit of a movement of people who are upset that T'Challa wasn't recast. Do y'all feel like the movie is is hindered by him not being there? John, no. John and I had this conversation so. the other day. Uh, I think it's all about a case by case basis. Well, it to me, it's this: like, I like, I think the character is so important. That they should have uh, recast him and had like like the, the kids deserve to have like a, like a, a black Superman almost um, that was created from the ground up to be this character. On the flip side of it, I kind of think of Hamilton, where you got to teach us how to say goodbye and know that that's a mantle that's imp- too important to be passed on from character to character. Because the I, movie I, isn't called T'Challa; it's called Black Panther. I mean, and, look, uh, based on everything I read, and all I did was read and. And we know that's dangerous for yeah. us. It is, because, you know, nothing good comes from that. But what I'll say is that everything I've read about, you know, the, <laughs> you know him not being recast and everything, and the, the people who have a problem with the fact that they did not recast Black Panther, I just it just boils down to Ryan Coogler saying, how could I ask anybody to follow Chadwick Boseman? Like, no I mean, one would I mean, accept him. You could say the same thing when Heath Ledger died. But they waited a long time. Yeah. So it's like, I... I, I I but think, they didn't recast him. No, like they they just omitted him from the story. Right. I think Ryan Coogler was right in his decision. I don't think it should, at the very least, they should not have like immediately recast him and somebody else play the role now. Like it's a fucking comic book. They can have somebody else play Black Panther later. And we're in the multiverse, to. right? Exactly. I mean, we had a zombie fucking Doctor Strange. Anything's possible. He's not wrong. <laughs> but from what I read um, about this movie, I will say my initial thought is it sounds like it might be. More methodical than like slow. I don't want to say slow, but not as fast paced as most of well, the other Marvel three films. Hours, huh? It's not fast paced. Oh, it's two hours and forty minutes. It, it seems like it's very. It, it does a 
from what I read, just it sets up things. Yeah, it and, does. And based on what I read, some su- surprising things and kind of what I what I read, I I really I want to see the movie more. Well, I, I will, I'll say it's like John said, it's two hours and forty one minutes. Yeah. I wasn't bored. Not at, at all. all. Nope. Like it, it, it went by really fast. I thought. Um, you really get a sense of mourning. Very much so. And um, did y'all cry? I, I, I teared up a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I told Glenn when we were leaving the theater, I was like, I feel like I need to go home and weep for a little while now. But it's, it, but it's. I mean, I won't say it's. It doesn't really dwell on it. I mean, it's just. It was kind of cathartic. It was yeah, like, exactly. It's <laughs> like it's like you're you're going through. Like like all the characters are going through, dealing with what happened. I got it, and it's like I felt like I was going through dealing with what happened exactly. when I'm watching it. Yeah, I gotta say, like whoever wrote this, it's pretty clever. They almost wrote it like as you were a, a fan of Chadwick Boseman. Exactly, you're a citizen it, of Wakanda, and they don't right. they don't they don't dwell on like what happened at all. It's, I'm gonna it, say it's this. Mentioned really this, quick. This is not a spoiler at all. The movie's two hours and forty one minutes. In the first two minutes of the movie. He dies off screen of an undisclosed illness, which is actually kind of how Chadwick Boseman right. died anyway. And then the next two hours and thirty nine minutes is them dealing with it. Um, and yeah, um, I I really like this movie. I really liked it a lot too. Um, I wasn't. I kind of. I didn't know how to feel when I first walked out, but after like thinking about it for a while, I may have liked it better than it's, the first it's, one. It's it's so. This is a very unique. It's, film. it's it's different than the first one. It's a very unique film. That's what I was gonna say. Like what I read, I was like, man, this is something that I. And this is what I feel like Marvel needs because they're. I am not a big fan of what they've been doing lately, and this seems say, um, like the jolt that Marvel needs from this. Th- film. This feels more like old Marvel, because um, I mean, Phase Four Marvel, they've been trying some new things. They've been delving a little more into comedy. I will say, Phase Four. Is Probably had the most memorable villains, um, but this one, this is a special film. This is um, you can tell this is why they this is they wanted to close Phase Four with this for a reason. Um, the <laughs> visuals in this movie, Ryan Coogler, the trailer like looks amazing. All like, the stuff with the, the uh, well, and I mean I guess it's not a spoiler. It's uh, they they introduce a very popular Marvel character named Namor. Yeah, and he's portrayed. From what I understand, very differently in this film than he yeah. is because he's a uh, he's a Mexican actor. Yeah, and um, it's Tenac Huerta who he was in Narcos Mexico, and then he was in that last um, uh, Purge movie that, right. we, that we saw. Who was he in Narcos Mexico? He, he killed. He was, he was Rafi or, or Rafa Rafa. I can't think of his face. You know the when it the, when Narcos Mexico started, there was Felix Gallardo. Yeah. Then there was the old man. Don whatever His brother? and then and then the younger guy the one that actually was like the one that was growing everything oh him. yeah okay and he, he is a, he's amazing he is stuff. awesome in it but I'll, I will say Angela Bassett I'm gonna say it now I think she wins the supporting actress I kind of heard that I think she I don't, I don't know if she's gonna win it because I know how they are about that but I mean I, 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 think, I think she's gonna get nominated I, yeah I think she might be the first MCU like actor possibly to get a, to get an Oscar because she is She's incredible. Have any of one any of them been nominated? No. For acting? Yeah, no. I don't think so. I did hear that. I, I had... she's incredible. Yeah. Um but I mean everyone in this movie is incredible. Um there's a really cool introduction to a, a young girl that's gonna be Ironheart. Yep. Um She was almost if there was any, she was the comic relief. Yeah. If if they if you'd even call it that. She, she was because she it was lighter, I guess. She was, was kind of like Suri was in the first movie. Yeah. And where she was just very bubbly, and and she was the 
it was she was the, like the kind of character that like she's really into science and everything and then all of a sudden just gets introduced to like wakandan technology and is like what the fuck like, yeah like blown away like and, and i will say like this movie isn't all like doom and gloom there is the marvel thing that it does kind of set up a future marvel movie i'm mm -hmm. not gonna say yeah. what it is i, I wasn't expecting it but I, it, it was cool um but y'all know how I feel about end credit scenes. Okay, I, 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 I already I read it er, early. Just, early on in the in the mid credits is where the scene is, and then nothing. Yeah, I I read about the and what I'll say is, if Marvel would do this type of mid or end credit scenes, I wouldn't have a problem with them because right. this because it's it's major. What I read sounded amazing. It is, yeah. and it's very touching. Yeah. Um, but Letitia Wright was so good. I mean, she goes through so many emotions in this movie. Do like, you think this movie might get an... Uh, I mean, Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. It, it very well might. I, I can see it getting nominated. Lupita Nyong'o, she blew me away. In the, uh, she but, was, and she's not in it... But She's in it a lot more in the second half of the movie. Yeah. But um, it, I don't know. I just I can't say enough good things about this film. Give yes. me some grades. Nine. 9.25. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I it, it was so long and it didn't feel like it. And I mean everything about like the music done by Ludwig Göransson who does the Mandalorian. And just the, just the the scope of everything. Ryan Coogler has such a, like you could tell he was working some stuff out because he was almost mourning Chadwick Boseman on yeah. screen. What other stuff has he done? Creed. I haven't seen that. Creed. Um, Station. Creed. Oh, I, excellent. I, I, Especially the first one. Second one's good too. I haven't seen the first or second one. I never saw Fruitvale Station. I heard it was Fruitvale hard Station to watch. Is, it's, it's it's good, good but it's, it's emotional. It, it's, watch and Creed. honestly, like from what you're describing, Fruitvale Station is sounds like it prepared him for doing this movie. He's yeah. a phenomenal director, and I've Very. only seen Black Panther. There, there's a lot of rumors they might be talking to him to do the Secret Wars Avengers thing, but um, which he I should, could see because the, epic, the epic nature of this one, and I mean, it, it would. This yeah. was almost a tryout for something like that. Yeah. But this, I mean, like I said, just the visuals of do that you think, underwater city. Like when, when, when Chadwick Boseman passed, do you think Kevin Feige made the decisions about... I think where... he left up to Ryan Coogler. You, do you think so? I think they probably... I think I read that, if, if I had to guess, they probably had a conversation, the two of them. But... Um... Do, let me ask you this. Do you think if Disney would have said, I want they want him recast for... I don't want to say for money reasons, but like as far as like you know, merchandising for the character of Black Panther, do you think they would have? You think they would have did it? Or it's hard to tell, just because the nature of the Black Panther costume, it's not like Batman, right? Where uh, and again, the name of the movie isn't T'Challa; it's Black Panther. So it's hard to tell. So Greg, as... I don't honestly. This is what I'll, I'll say. I don't. Th Disney hasn't really intervened too much in. They Marvel. didn't when Bob Iger, Chapek is has been dipping his fingers in a little more well, than. As Iger the did. resident comic book expert, has there been like a crap ton of Black Panthers? I mean, it's kind of you know how the the Phantom is, where there's like many different versions of the Mantle's past. That's very much how it is, and in the in the comics, like T'Challa does pass it on, like Storm of the X Men was was. Black Panther for a little bit. What? Yeah. They weren't they married? Yeah, they were married in the comics. Oh, yeah. that, that's garbage. They better not put that in the in the in the MCU. Well, um, did you call it the MCU just now? No, I said the MCU. But um, no, go see this movie and try to see in it on, theaters. on the biggest screen you yep. can because this was gorgeous. Well, now it's time to nominate this week's awesome villager gentleman. Who you're nominating? Why? I was going to nominate Ryan Coogler because 
he blew me away. And for all the reasons we just talked about. <laughs> Alright. Um, you took mine, so... Oh, I'm um, sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I'm going to nominate Judy Greer for Reboot. Um, I just... I think that she's a very underrated actress. Um, yes. She could very well be a, a lead very easily. Mm-hmm. She likes to play the best friend of villain blank character, but I think she's hilarious on Reboot. She steals almost every scene she's in. Uh, real quick, I'm going to nominate somebody that y'all are not going to pick, but I just want to put it out there. Uh, Logan Paul did a wrestling show in Saudi Arabia for the WWE, and we talked before about, um, what's his face, Arrow? Stephen Amell. When he did his little thing with the WWE and his performance, he can't touch what Logan Paul can do in the ring, and I can't believe, he looks like a professional wrestler who's been practicing for 15, 20 years. This is his third match. He fought Roman Reigns, the top tier wrestler in the company. They put on an amazing show. Uh, and then, unfortunately, Logan Paul like tore his like ACL or some kind of something in his knee, and he's out. But his effort that he put forth was quite inspiring. I mean, I know he's kind of an annoying YouTuber, which is how I always viewed him. But <coughs> what he did and the what he put his body through was pretty uh, extraordinary. So I'm gonna give him some props. And I think he got hit with a giant, giant hand in the last Jackass movie and thrown into a pool. He did, and yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I'll also nominate someone I know that you guys are probably not gonna pick. Which is uh, Selena Gomez for her courage in being able to talk about mental health. Um, so, gentlemen, who are your nominee other than your I, own, and why is it Ryan Coogler? I do love Selena Gomez, especially after uh, you know the, her her show, The Only Murders in the Building. But I got I've been watching reboot. I got to go with Judy Greer because she's hilarious. I'm gonna go with Ryan Coogler because he was. Uh, I was gonna pick him, but and, and I went with Ryan Coogler because you know. And I'm going to go with Selena Gomez. No, I'm not going with Selena. It's just definitely Ryan Coogler. <laughs> so, Ryan Coogler, come hang out with us. Let's talk shop. I'd love to hear about it. I don't know if he's ever been an Austin Villager before. i got to look it up. I'm trying to look it up. But I don't believe he has. Uh, he should have been. <laughs> well, if he ain't, he ought right. to be. <laughs> Did you nominate him when you saw Black Panther or the other movies you didn't see of his? Well, obviously not. So, <laughs> Which one of you guys picked him? Me. All right, John, good job. You won two times in a row. Whoa. There it is. It's two in a row. <clears throat> two in a row. So remember, there are many ways to find us. Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, host of other platforms, and as always, you can listen to us on our website. We everywhere. Com, but when you do, you help us out. This has been Greg. Ryan. John. Glenn. We'll see you next week.